when they fly upside down? They quack up. Yeah, that's right. You got it. You get it. <laughs> Someone explain it to Sarah, will you? Look at beautiful Marie Naomi. Put, get her, get her a little closer, wig, where you can see her. Naomi, he can hold her. He can hold her. That's Maria Naomi. Nice to have you with us, Maria, and mom and dad. And welcome back, Brandon. Good to see you. Anybody else want to welcome? Thank you, Andy, for coming and helping out. So Bob got us going last week, but we didn't give him very much time in Acts 10, but what he, how much time he took, only 20 minutes, he did a lot. So I'm going to do a little more on Acts 10 because it's a very important passage. And let me ask you a question to get started. I want to ask you if you think you're prejudiced. If you see prejudice anywhere in your life, here's the word prejudge. Means you make judgments pre. You don't need evidence. You can, you can have prejudice without any evidence. You can judge ahead of time. So raise your hand if you think that you have prejudices. Okay, most of us think we do. Let me tell you one that I had. When I lived in California, I thought that Mexicans were lazy. And I'm embarrassed even to say this because it was unkind, it was unfair, and it wasn't true. So Karen and I went twice to Mexico and what did I see? I saw Mexicans working hard and working happy. It was so, it was so outstanding. Have you experienced that same thing when you go there? Uh, it was so outstanding that Karen and I talked about it often. Here is a, a happy people, hardworking people. I'd heard that they took naps, you know, the siesta, and I thought, well, what, what, what a lazy thing to do. See, I could make a judgment without any information. And God was kind to me with my terrible judgment. What happened in World War II? I'm going to say the word Karen will get, get at me for even saying it. But we called them Japs. Remember that? We put them in camps. They had lived in our country. They had proved themselves. And we put them in, in camps. What a terrible thing to do. Why? Because of unruly, insane leaders, we judged a whole nation. It took us a long time to begin to deal with the black issue. 
And when you see the films of what happened in places like Birmingham, aren't you embarrassed? I'm embarrassed to be an American and think of what we did. Oh, it's not over, is it? Now it's going both ways, and blacks are despising whites, sadly. This is a terrible problem. Billy Graham calls it the number one problem in America, and maybe in the world. A nominally Christian nation took out six million Jews. How could that possibly happen? You know what they did when the trains came by and they heard them screaming? They plugged their ears. They went by churches. They couldn't handle the noise, so they plugged their ears. What a way to deal with the problem. What, what, what's this anti-Semitism? You know, you know what, what's happening? It's growing now in Europe, including Germany. Anti-Semitism. Hatred. Why hatred? Ask for some facts. What are the facts? Now the irony of this is if you back up several millennia, you find Jews who are saying, we're special. We got special laws. We've got a special God. We are special. And God says, you're special because I want you to take it to the nations. I said, well, we're not interested in doing that, but we know we're special. And so you have Jews hating other races. So I want to go after this because chapter 10 is a huge divide in the book where God breaks through and extends the gospel, but in doing so, Jerusalem is going to be left behind. We're going to find in chapter 11 that Antioch, it's the third largest city in the world at the time, about 500,000. It begins to grow under the influence of Barnabas, who went to get his friend. Who did he go get? He went to get Saul. They, they put Saul back in Tarsus because he couldn't handle him. So now they're pulling pulling Saul. He's the son of encouragement. He takes Saul, and they start teaching. For a year, they're teaching in Antioch, and the church is just mushrooming, and now it's going to leave Jerusalem in the dust. I think one of the reasons is that they couldn't fully handle this issue of hatred for Gentiles. They put up with it, but I don't think they could fully handle it. So as we address this, I want you to see if God, in his kindness, may be allowing something to be extricated from your thinking so that it will free us more and more. You can't imagine that Peter would be so locked up. Here, Peter, he's on a roll. He just raised a dead person. What was her name? Tabitha. You can call her Tabitha or Dorcas, and you're right with either one. One's Aramaic and one is Greek. So he raised up her. Then it's, the word gets out, and so Joppa is becoming a Christian city because there's so many who are coming to the Lord. And that must have been so exciting for Peter. And now God says, now I'm going to dismantle. I'm going to dismantle something that he has held 
all his life. And it was a stretch. It was a huge stretch. So we're going to see how he did it. And hopefully, in the process, God might be able to deal with things in our life where we can make judgments where we don't even need any information. So turn your Bibles to chapter 10, Acts 10. And I'm going to say four things of how God tampers with us. He breaks our molds. He gives us revelation of the truth. Oh, I have notes I'm going to pass out. Hey, they're sitting on my desk. Steve, would you go up and get them? There's a whole stack of them called the curse of prejudice. Third, he puts the squeeze on us. And then he works through us to love people we didn't like. So it's, it's, so, it's so easy for us. Where did Polish jokes come from? Anybody have any idea? Prejudiced people who I think thought Poles weren't quite as bright as others. And so they started telling jokes about them. We are mean. By nature, we are mean and ill-spirited. And so Jesus tells his disciples, you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you, and you shall be my witnesses in Jerusalem. They're thinking, hard, but that's doable. In Judea, okay. Samaria, don't think that'll happen. And to the ends of the earth, that will, that will definitely not happen. So they're, they're resisting in their heart, and they're, they're not expecting this to happen. So I, I, after the Great Commission, I call it the Great Commotion, where, where God is messing with them and trying to set their hearts right so that they're thinking like God thinks. So, first of all, God breaks our mold. I want you to see the kind of person he used, uh, the kind of Gentile. He had three strikes against him right from the start. First of all, he was a Gentile. Second, he was a Roman. The Romans were the bully on the block. And third, he was a, he was a leader. He, so he was a killer among the killers. He was a leader of the killers. So the opposite of this is what we see, because look what it says about him. He and all his family. So he's a good father. He's a good, good husband. He and all his family, verse 2, were devout and God-fearing. Here's a Roman soldier. Unlikely that a Roman soldier would be God-fearing. So something in this man's heart was humble. And he prayed. Bob, you talked about this last week. He prayed regularly. There were watches in the day. The first watch, second watch, third watch, 9, 12, 3 o'clock. This is the third watch. Later on, we're going to see him praying during the third watch. Oh, it's right now. Yeah. In 3 o'clock in the afternoon. And he was open to God speaking to him. So he was open to a vision. He didn't put it off and say, I'm crazy. Or you're crazy. I don't, I don't get visions. This guy was, was really open, and so God was going to tamper with Peter through someone who was very special. And God, God does that, breaks in on us where we have 
stereotypes that uh, he didn't fit the stereotype to begin with. Second, he gives us revelation. Notice what he does with Peter. About noon, that's an hour of prayer. Peter went up on the roof, verse 9, to pray. A lot in this chapter about prayer. What does he see? Anybody remember what he saw? What did he see? Someone say it. He sees a sheet coming down. What did it have inside of it? Unclean food. Some of sometimes we're more spiritual than God. Oh, I don't touch that stuff. Oh, you don't, do you? You're calling it unclean? I don't call it unclean. He did not one time, but three times. I got, I got to get this through to Peter. It's not going to break through in his heart. I got to get it through. And then he has to time it so the revelation stays with him while these Gentiles, these unclean Gentiles, are coming. So God is setting him up. How kind of God. God didn't just come in and just smash him. You stupid fool. You idiot. Why are you believing that way? He was very kind, as he was to me. I didn't even know I was prejudiced until I went and saw what was false about my prejudice. And I said, God, I'm so sorry for, for <coughs> judging something in such a, such a foolish way. And why does God want to break our prejudices? Because he wants us to go to people. He wants to connect every tribe, tongue, people, and nation. The Poles aren't stupid. Jews have something to contribute. Anti-Semitism, it, it, it must be hurtful in heaven because they're special people to God. And some people they're special to in a destructive sort of a way. So God is so kind to give Peter a revelation of the truth. And he gives it to him three times. And Peter's wondering, he's still wondering what it means. There's some good lines in here. This happened three times, and immediately the sheet was taken back into heaven. While Peter was wondering about the meaning. Peter, come on, buddy. You got it up here. It's pretty obvious what it means. You've been calling some things unclean, and they're clean. And he, doesn't, he still doesn't get it, and he's not going to get it for a while. While Peter is still thinking the vision, the Spirit said to him. So he's open. He's open to the Spirit of God. Simon, three men are looking for you. So get up and go downstairs. Do not hesitate <laughs> to go with them. Just get on with it. Don't, don't, don't resist. Don't hesitate. Go with them for I have sent them. So God is being so kind to Peter. Peter went down and said, I'm the one you're looking for. Why have you come? We have come from Cornelius the centurion. He is a righteous and God-fearing man who is respected by all the Jewish people. A holy angel told him to have you come to his house so that he could hear what you have to say. Now listen, he was just told that he was going to go there and he was going to speak. Does he get it when he goes there? No, he doesn't. He doesn't. 
He's got his mouth closed. He doesn't know why he's there. God had given him three visions and said, you're supposed to go with them. And he goes with them. Now, notice when he goes with them what he does. So, 27, taking with them, Peter went inside and found a large gathering of people. He said to them, you are well aware. That he's a little nervous now. Well aware it's against our law for a Jew to associate with a Gentile or visit him. But God has shown me that I should not call any man unclean or impure. So when I was sent for, I came without raising any objection. May I ask why you sent for me? Come on, Peter. At a drop of a hat, you'll preach to 10,000 people on Pentecost. Preach, man. You've got a crowd here. And he's, he's dumbfounded. He doesn't know what he's supposed to do. Cornelius. So Cornelius is going to help him again. Cornelius answered, four days ago, I was in my house praying. There's, the word prayer occurs about five times in this passage. Suddenly, a man in shining clothes stood before him and said, Cornelius, God has heard your prayer and remembered your gifts to the poor. He's not a believer yet. God heard his prayer. Isn't that wonderful? God hears the prayers of people who don't yet know him. How kind of God to hear. And he's going to answer prayers of people who are reaching out, who are crying out. And he was so kind that he was giving to the, to the poor. Send to Joppa for Simon, who is called Peter. He's prejudiced. It will, I'll, I'll deal with that on the way. He is a guest in the home of Simon the Tanner who lives by the sea. So I sent for you immediately, and it was good of you to come. This is so nice. Now, we are here in the presence of God to listen to everything the Lord has commanded you to tell us. So talk. Say something to us. Peter, it's your turn. So now, Peter began to speak. I now realize. The, the revelation is dawning upon him. It's breaking through. I now realize how true it is that God does not show favoritism, but accepts men from every nation who fear him. Good, Peter. This is wonderful, Peter. This is so true. It's so important. And do what is right. You know the message God sent to the people of Israel, telling the good news of peace through Jesus Christ, who is Lord of all. And he goes on and preaches. Now look at verse 44. While Peter was still speaking these words, the Holy Spirit came on all who heard the message. How is that different from what happened in Samaria and, in, uh, and what's going to happen in chapter 19? How is it different? They laid their hands on others. And then the Holy Spirit came. I think the Lord said, they're not going to lay their hands on them. I've got to go ahead and do it. I've got to go ahead and, and give them the Holy Spirit because that's going to be testimony to the people back in Jerusalem that God just did it. He just laid hands. He, he did it himself. The circumcised believers, verse 45, who had come with Peter were astonished. that the gift of the Holy Spirit 
have been poured out even on Gentile dogs. For they heard them speaking in tongues and praising God. Then Peter said, it's still a stretch for him a little bit. Can anyone keep these people from being baptized with water? Then said, hey, let's get them in the water right away. I guess we can't keep them. They have received the Holy Spirit just as we have. So he ordered that they be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ. Then they asked Peter to stay with them a few days. This is, this is a powerful breakthrough in the gospel of God going to the nations. You've heard the name David Livingston. When he said he wanted to go to Africa, do you know what they said to him? These were Christians. Anybody know? It, say it louder. See, this is a fairly new enterprise, the gospel going to the nations. It's fairly new in terms of our history because the church didn't get it either. The people of God didn't get it. Here's David Livingston. What year? Uh, that would have been in the late, uh, late 18th century, I believe. Uh, and, and he is, is saying, I want to go to Africa. And they said, well, God can do that. So there was a, a resistance in, in just uh, within a few hundred years of going to other people that are different from us. So God was kind to work now through Peter to break open the gospel. And of course it changed Peter, it changed the church. And now the church in Antioch is going to become the new center of Christianity. Would you be willing to share any any prejudices that you think you you might have that you might uh, you might be living with? Anybody want to uh, willing to share where you feel that God has to do some work in you to change some outlooks, or maybe you don't know what they are. Either way. Stiff armed them. Yeah, in a way. I, I didn't want to you know, get to know people so much because I really. Well, they just haven't had the same like, international education that I have. So, and then also the other one that in Japan, even though people are very kind, because of the wars, you know, there was a, a trend or a, a Korean people. And, you know, they're, they're clear of creation. 
Yeah. It's easy for it to creep in. Thank you. Anybody else? Yeah, Betty? Things that have what? I was just going to ask that question. I was going to ask them, how many of you are struggling with Muslims? How many are finding it hard? To, it's a tough one. It's a real tough one. And there are some facts about their background that make it difficult for them becoming a citizen. And that I, have, I struggle with. But I, I identify with what you're saying. That's a, that's a, a tough one. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, Bob. set up. It breaks through national barriers, social barriers, gender barriers, generational. 
I will pour out my spirit to all people. Your sons and your daughters will prophesy. Mm, pretty new for, for the daughters. Young men will see visions. Old men will dream dreams. So it's taking the young and the old together. Even on my servants, both men and women, even on my servants. So it's cutting across all kinds of barriers. God loves to take a crack at the things that we set up to, to stand off from people. You had your hand up a minute ago. Real loud. Yeah, I, yeah, I, um, it, I can judge people in my family. Mm -hmm. um, over the years, I became into a filter. And this morning, actually, God had a gentle nudge to my heart where um, there was supposed to be plans. And um, it turned out the plans happened last week. Good for you for hearing his voice. You heard his voice. Otherwise, you know, it would have been harder. He would have, he would have had to come, come down harder. Anyone have issues with either the real young or the real old? Anyone have issues with elderly? Or with young? Prejudged, what? Old, older people? This is a tough one. Come here, Fred. Would you come up here? This is really tough. This is a hard one. This is where we're at. And it's going both ways now. So I'd like us to pray together. And I'd like you to pray. We'll pray together. Because this didn't get solved by, by military. It didn't get solved by the government. It's solved by the grace of God through Jesus Christ. And I don't think there is a solution to what's, gonna, what's happening now, what's unraveling. America, I don't think there's a political solution. I don't think there's anybody willing. I, I pray that there would be black leaders who would be able to stand up with courage and, and come forward and give sanity, but they're not coming forward. You know, we need a Martin Luther King that, that will, will raise a voice, and uh, it's not happening. So I'm going to pray for you. I'm going to pray for blacks, and you pray for us. And let's pray for, for uh, breakthroughs, really needful, that the church, that, that this would be a good hour for the church to rise up. Father, we are sorry where, where we, where we uh, first of all, what we did in the, in the 50s and the 60s and leading up to that, that, that was so terrible. It was so terrible, God. It was so terrible. 
And we are guilty. We are absolutely guilty. And we're sorry. We're sorry for what we did. We're sorry for treating blacks as animals. And we thank you that you do forgive us. And now we're at a new place, a new impasse. God, and we're sorry for, for what we've done to create this impasse. It's not your issue, it's ours. And God, we're very sorry. We pray that you'd have mercy. We pray that you would eradicate prejudice where there's prejudice in the church and among blacks. We pray that you'd eradicate it. We thank you for Brandon here today. We pray that you would use him, God, use him, use his voice as a, uh, a black man who loves Jesus, and who works hard uh, on his part, Lord. Use him. We bless him today. We bless his return to us. We pray that you would establish him back in this community, the things that you have in his heart, the boxing career, uh, that, that uh, the day could come where he could be a husband, a father, and have a family. You go ahead and pray to him. Most gracious and heavenly Father, we thank you today for everything that you put on the table, Lord Jesus. Lord, uh, I come to you just asking, you know, in, in this crazy time in this world that you bring patience in our lives, Lord Jesus. You let us stop thinking, plan, and check before we just go and do, Lord Jesus. I ask that you, you know, you help all of us with this prejudging, Lord Jesus, for it, it, it's it's very difficult, Lord. You know, we all have our different prejudges. Sometimes we meet that person, and it's an instant that we prejudge each other. And as us being Christians, we shouldn't prejudge, you know, anybody. It's kind of being hypocritical. So... Uh, um, Lord Jesus, I just ask that you just take all the ungodly things out of our lives, Lord Jesus, and you just make us more like you and in your image and everything I pray. I ask that you bless us, you know, as we go on about our lives this week, that we keep you first, Lord Jesus, and that we remember when we see that person that doesn't look like us, that, you know, they're just like us. They lead like us. They eat like us. They have a family just like us. They're the same just like us. We may have different skin color, but we are the same, and we can, you know, we are brothers and sisters through Christ, Lord Jesus, and these things that I ask in Jesus' name, I pray. Amen. Thank you. Thank you. Uh, yeah, before we, we'll just break up for a little while in small group, but before we do, someone, maybe a couple of you, have have uh, had this on your heart, and you could pray. You could pray with us, pray for us, pray for our country. A couple of you, let's uh, let's pray while this is right before us. This this uh, curse of prejudice, the Lord broke through and, and the gospel advanced because God was so kind, so patient to reveal it to his, his chief, one of his chief apostles who was absolutely blind. And God showed him so patiently, so kindly. We thank you, Father, for your kindness in revealing this. And now we pray that you would reveal it to people, reveal it to leaders, and that you would raise up leaders godly leaders who can help us in this time where there isn't a human solution right now. It isn't clear. A couple of you others pray.
That's good.
When you raise up powerful leaders, I thank you for Winston Churchill, a season when Great Britain needed a leader, a spokesman who was bold. I pray that you'd raise up people, a person or people like that for our day that can be prophets in this uh, devastating time. We pray in Jesus' name. It strikes me that God must love Muslims because he's revealing himself personally to many of them. Without, without you know, usually he has somebody who brings the message but he's not using that in many cases with Muslims. And I wonder if it's that the church has been reluctant to reach out to him, so God's saying, well, I want to do someone. I'm just going to go ahead and reveal myself to them. Okay, so I'm going to give you the benediction, and then uh, just for a moment, it's 10 to 12, just for a moment, just uh, spin around. If there are personal needs, you can pray, or... We can keep on this one. Good, good. Thank you for uh, engaging and sharing together. So, and thank you for, as you think about us this week as we're getting ready, it's a wonderful week. It's a delightful week. We give our youngest daughter away to a new son. And uh, it's so a wonderful, wonderful time for us. So if you think of us praying. Did I tell you about Norway? Did I did I tell, give you an update on that? I'll just give you a, a quick one. Uh, they asked me, they, this is what they said to me. They said, give an anointed message on Wednesday night and have an altar call. So I gave an anointed message and I had an altar call. I had two altar calls. The first one was for people who had not yet been filled with the Spirit and wanted to be released from the Spirit and speak in tongues. And many, many, many many came. It was very thrilling to see all who came. Then I had another altar call for those that wanted more of the Spirit and half of the congregation. It was a big place. I mean, a lot bigger bigger than Holy Spirit conferences. Uh, At at least twice or three times. It's really big. And you got a whole city that's gathered together. All kinds of people coming. There's campers. And then they rent out schools and people sleeping in school. So there was one kickback that, that was momentarily discouraging. And I said, I'm not going to be discouraged because it really, at first, it just, uh, uh, I did some ministry and uh, a couple of the leaders said, the paper's going to take that and take it in the wrong direction. They're going to say that people with cancer 
are demonized because I said cancer is demonic. It's so demonic. The devil comes to lie, kill, and to destroy. That's what cancer does to people. And so I want to pray for you if you have cancer. And they said the paper is going to take that and say Paul spoke on, on people that are demonized, that, that are of cancer. And they were very worried. And so I met with the leadership the next day, and I said, I think it's time for you to change this course. We did this in Lutheran Renewal. There was a time that we came where we quit having conferences with the leadership of the Lutheran Church. We quit trying to be their friend. We quit trying for them to agree with us and to accept us. It never worked. We did it for two decades, and we accomplished nothing. They kept drifting farther and farther. Now the ELCA has drift into terrible heresies. Universalism is taught at every seminary now. Why, are, why do you think they're calling back missionaries? Because you don't need missionaries. If people are already saved, if they're already going to heaven, you don't have to preach the gospel to them. And they're calling missionaries home. It's terrible. There's a church called Her Church. You can Google it. I Googled it because I, I wasn't sure whether I believed in it. They, they worship goddesses, Ashtaroth. Google it if you want to see it. And they were, they were, people said you have to discipline this church. And the church, the ELCA will not discipline them. So it, it has gone. So I'm, gonna, I'm writing a letter to the leadership and telling them this so that they understand where their church is going. There were six conservative bishops and there were six liberal bishops. You know how they voted? They voted consensus. And I said those conservative bishops just lost their voice. They just lost their voice because they, they, they gave in to consensus, so they all voted together for same sex. So now, you know, they're going to get what we, the ELCA, the ELCA has transgender pastors, and, and uh, uh, it's sick, sick, sick. Yes, it's going in that direction. So I want to say to them, you don't want to be their friend. You want to be a prophetic voice. So that's what I said the next day, and I was glad that we got together and uh, had a chance, and they said, we'll pray, we'll be praying about that. So at first, when they, I saw how alarmed they were, I said, well, that's the last time I'll be here. I'm, they, weren't, they won't have me back now because they're so concerned. I said, you guys, what are you concerned about? And they did tell me the next day, they said, Paul, that was a little thing. It wasn't a big thing. So I expect it did, yeah. I, the next day, people, people were coming to me and said, Paul, we, we didn't get to come to the conferences, but we saw you on TV. It was on TV. It's not a big country. You know, five million people half the size of Los Angeles. So when you get a big conference together of 5,000 people or so, that's significant. I said, you could have a voice. You could have a prophetic voice instead of just being a service organization. So that's my prayer. So, okay. I didn't give you the benediction either. So uh, I bless you. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious unto you. The Lord look upon you with his favor and grant you his peace. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Thank you for coming, Shane and Ritzko, and especially Maria Naomi. Stick around if you want to. Yeah, it's for you too, of course. But just 